Welcome to the Bookkeeper's Voice, an informative and entertaining podcast for bookkeepers who love small business. Each week, Amy Hook explores new ideas and shares real-life stories along with inspiring guests from both inside and outside the bookkeeping industry. Every episode will leave you with a fresh perspective along with industry-specific tips and insights to help your business and your clients' businesses thrive. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Bookkeeper's Voice. Uh, This is not Angie today. This is Maya, um, and I'm here today with Amy Hook again. Hello. (laughs) Uh, So today we're doing part two of interviewing the interviewer with, of course, Amy Hook, Director of Off the Hook Bookkeeping and the Savvy Bookkeeper. Um, So in the last episode, Angie and you discussed Mm. your bookkeeping journey and what makes Off the Hook different and why helping your clients be more profitable is so important to you. That's right. Yeah, that was, it was lots of fun. (laughs) Um, So a little while ago, we asked our bookkeeping community Um, if they have any questions that they wanted to ask you. So in this episode, we're going to do a little Q&A from the questions that we got from our bookkeeping community through the iHeart Bookkeeping Facebook group. So this is probably going to be fun too and fun for the listeners because it will be their questions being answered. Um, And just a little reminder about the Facebook group. Uh, If you want to join, guys, please answer all the questions so that we can accept you to the group. If you don't answer the questions, we can't accept you. So just make sure you answer the questions. Right. Uh, Shall we get started? Yeah, definitely. It's good to be here and be back on the podcast. I'm excited about the questions. So (laughs) I just said they can literally ask me anything they want. Yeah, so this could get dangerous. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. All right, so the first question, and we've actually got two questions from this person. Um, The first question is from Catherine Hartley from 19 Bookkeeping. Um, And she asks, how did you juggle motherhood and running a business? Specifically, what did you do when your clients slash workload, what did you do with your clients when when Bub was born? I was thinking as soon as I heard you ask about how did I juggle, I was thinking, okay, what can I pick up from the table and juggle? Like I did it like this, but obviously you guys can't see me if you're just listening, but if you're in the members group, you can see me trying to juggle with some handkerchiefs. So (laughs) it was a big, I guess my point is like, I'm not a very good juggler. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just something that kind of, I guess when it's brand new, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. So... Um, yeah I guess you know if it's something that you're about to decide to do um, like there's I think there's nothing that can prepare you for (laughs) what's next I think like I think the one thing I wish someone had told me is like how much cleaning I would have to be doing (laughs) (laughs) no one ever tells you that they always talk about the bundle of joy and all that sort of stuff but yeah there's a lot of like you know you'll be amazed how much food little children drop under the table until they're about five years old so it is a real juggle but I think it's one of those things that once you kind of throw yourself in the deep end 
it's like you don't, I guess when you don't really have a choice, you're just going to kind of make it work. So um, I think for me, so some practical ways that I juggled in the early days was that, um, and I, I know not everyone has this, has this luxury, but I, I hired a nanny. So I hired someone to come in three days a week because in the beginning, you know, the reason that I started the bookkeeping business is because I wanted to be, have a business that I could run and be, I wanted to be around the kids. I wanted to be able to be a mom. And once I started the business, I realized it's not really possible, like at all. So I, I hired a nanny and um, so that I could still, you know, be very much around um, my first son um, before he started going to childcare at about when he turned one. So, but prior to that, I sort of thought I'll just spend the extra money, even though we couldn't really afford it, just to have, you know, someone come in and watch him. Um, and so, yeah, but look, to be honest, I will admit I felt very, um, I had a lot of anxiety at the time because I was working with clients that weren't my ideal target market so I was always on edge like oh is someone going to hear a baby squeak in the background I sort of I had clients that probably wouldn't be too appreciative of that um whereas once I started savvy you know I was working with people who have like been there done that you know lots of mums and stuff like that so it was a lot more kind of relaxed but then yeah you know it was um childcare, and when my second son came along he started childcare. um uh yeah like a bit earlier like six months old or something like that so you know, we've kind of had to incorporate that into our plan because I guess work turned out to be, the workload turned out to be a lot more than what I expected, which was a surprise, I guess. So that was kind of how I juggled it. Yeah. Just like a clown <laughs> trying to juggle. Like an unprofessional clown who can't juggle. Like an unprofessional clown, that's right. Um, yeah, so um, what was the rest of the question? Oh, oh the rest yeah. of the question was like About when you clients. would normally take maternity leave. Yeah, so you just <laughs> tried to go for it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like so obviously, so when you first sort of start in this like early parenthood situation, you just try and work whenever you can, you know, like, as you know, you work like I would work into the night and you know, all sorts of things. I sort of had no boundaries around when I worked. I just had to get it done when I got it done. Um, but as the kids get a little bit older, you sort of have a bit more flexibility to structure things properly. Whereas with a newborn, as you can imagine, you've got to be like hyper responsive. <laughs> as soon as they cry, you, you know, you've got to kind of um, help go straight to them and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, so with maternity leave, like when I, when I was pregnant with my first son, I was actually in China. Um, so, we, um, yeah, we make a little bit of a joke that my son was made in China. but <laughs> And then, um, no, nah, he wasn't really. But, yeah, so we, we went on a trip shortly after I got pregnant with my first son. So I wasn't actually working yet. It was when I got home from China. That's when I realised, oh, I need, I probably need an income. So I'll start my business and, and that kind of thing. So, um yeah, so with the with my first son, there wasn't really any maternity leave because I was just kicking off the business. But with my second son, um, there definitely was that. Um, I think, I don't know, I think when you get to your second child, it's way, 
in a way it's way easier because you're not as worried you know exactly what to expect you know what's happening and that kind of thing so I'll admit like I even was in a team meeting when my labor started (laughs) like I because you know you just kind of like I just kept working until I'm like really sure like it's time to go and stuff like that so I was like cooking curries and still doing work and stuff like that so the first time around you're like oh my gosh what's gonna happen is it gonna hurt and stuff like that and then the second time you're like eh I'll just show up like on the day kind of thing and so I worked like literally right up until I said to William all right now we gotta go um because the first time we got sent home (laughs) a false alarm so the second time we went so that that was pretty much it and so maternity leave um from there, like, I don't know, like, I think this time around with my first son, obviously I was straight into working. So I didn't really take any time off. I just worked, but it wasn't super busy with 30. Like I did say to myself, like, I just want to take off three months and, you know, have that downtime. But I'll be honest, like around the six week mark, like I was itching to get back and, you know, sort of by the end of four weeks, I was like, basically back to it but I still made myself you know somewhat available like after kind of the four week mark I think in that first month you completely like wiped out because of you know not sleeping and all that sort of stuff um so yeah I don't know like what would I do I'm thinking I know you didn't ask this question but I'm gonna read into it um you know, if I was to have another, another child, I probably would force myself to take more time. Um, I really think that, you know, I underestimated um, the amount of recovery that I was going to need. You know, I've always just been a bit of a power on kind of person, but I feel like that's caught up with me down the track. So in a way I do like regret doing that a little bit. So I think I would probably be a lot more, you know, slower pace I'll probably take a month off before um leading up and you know all that kind of stuff get the house organized and yeah just a little bit less pressure so hopefully that helps and um yeah yeah I think you I think you've mentioned before that um, I don't have any experience of this but um I think you've mentioned before that like people often underestimate how difficult it's going to be when they have their first child and they yes. think they can start their business and have their first child at the same time and that they can just yeah. handle everything because they always have handled everything. But mm. it's going to be more difficult than what. It's very different to what, it's so different to what you expect. Like, yeah, even though things are stressful in your life and, you you know, you've had, everyone's had times where they haven't been able to sleep and things like that, but the, the difference, but, or, you know, everyone's like babysat, you know, a, a relative or something and all that sort of stuff. But the thing that I think I didn't realize was the effect, like, cause you're like, your hormones go all out of whack. Like your body and your brain is just kind of a bit fried. So it's like, yeah, you've got that on top of all the other things. So it's like, I think it's, um, you know, I guess, cause some of our listeners might be, yeah, you know, like expecting a baby or thinking that they're going to um, start a business soon and they've got little kids and things like that. So I think it's really something that's important to factor in, like just sort of if you can sit and think about like what are all your, um, you know, what are all the responsibilities that you have to take care of? Like what's your current timetable look like and how's that going to look if your capacity like drops to like, let's say, 10 or 20% for a time and, you know, make sure that you've got the, 
supports in place and also just yeah not to sort of have too high expectations which I know is really hard like because for us we needed I had to work for the you know for financial um, reasons for the family and that kind of thing you know like Will did have a job um, at the time but he actually (laughs) he actually had an employer we had to take his employer to fair work straight after he came back from paternity leave he got sacked so it was a bit of a, a bit of a you know, you never know, like there's always going to be unexpected things that happen as well. Like just Mm -hmm. because you've had a baby, the world doesn't stop and say, okay, like, (laughs) you know, you need a bit of downtime. Like it just keeps rolling on. So I think, yeah, if you can plan ahead and not, you know, not plan too many big projects after the special day, then. (laughs) Just try to keep it simple, as simple as possible. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. All right. So the second question from Catherine. Um, when making the move from employee to business owner, was there a period where you did oh, both? No, you no. Did you balance? Oh, I love it. That's a re- that's a really good question. Um, and so I think the the questions were probably submitted before last episode, but I did talk a little bit about um, you know like my, my journey through being an employee and then how I got into the business. So for me, there was actually a complete gap because when I left working in the accounting firm, I, I was done with bookkeeping. I didn't think I would ever do bookkeeping ever again. Like I, yeah, I just sort of, I think I was a bit, um, yeah, like maybe a little bit jaded. I felt that I wasn't fulfilling my life purpose. And so I was like, yeah, I left and I had some downtime to kind of, I spent a lot of time trying to think of a new potential new career um so I spent a lot of time overseas during that four years um I went to India Israel I went to China um and went to the UK and just sort of I don't know like just thought I'll try a few other things that I'm interested in like I worked in I did some hospitality work um what else did I do I was like I did some music stuff like you know teaching music to kids and like just some really like very different stuff to try to find out what I liked and didn't like. I did like various volunteer work and stuff like that. And just to try and find out like what's next for me kind of thing. And then when I got back from all of that, the last trip was China. And when I got back, that was when I was like, I don't know, like, yeah, zero had become popular. And I was like, yeah, I think I can make this working from home thing you know, I, I, for me, I felt like bookkeeping became more interesting. So there was definitely like not just a gap, but there was a massive gap mm. where I actually thought I wasn't coming back from being an employee to a business owner. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's interesting I mean, that you thought you weren't going to do it ever again. Yeah. And then eventually you came back to it and it's turned out really well. Yeah, like I used to say to the manager that I worked under in the in the accounting firm, like I he was one of those like like he'll tell you how it is, like he won't pad anything out. And I used to say to him stuff like, Oh, like I think I meant to do something else other than be an accountant. And he'd say, like, why do you think that? And I'm like, Well, I feel like I should be, you know, doing something that helps people, you know, like I wanna yeah, I want to help people make a difference. And he goes, you are helping people. You're doing their tax returns. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, that's not exactly what I meant. <laughs> so you wanted to do something that helped people and was fun at the same time. 
Well, also, and something that they like, because doing people's <laughs> tax returns, they don't always like the outcome. So it's yeah. not very rewarding. And so, you know, at the time, I didn't have a, like a heap of client contact back back then. Um, honestly, actually, now that I think about it, when I was sitting there in my job towards the end where I was starting to contemplate leaving, it still never occurred to me to start my own business. Like I never really even thought about um, starting a bookkeeping business. It was just like, it just kind of came to me in that moment when I was like, oh, I wonder what that zero software is like. And so I tested it out. And when I tested it, I was like, oh, wow, this is great. Like now, because the accounting software is in the cloud, I don't have to use a PC anymore. So I can get a Mac because I used to use Macs when I was younger. But once I got into bookkeeping and accounting, I had to use a PC. So I was like, yeah, it sort of like inspired me. I was like, oh, this could actually be quite fun. And then like I can run the business and go anywhere that I want and be around my kids and stuff like that. And yeah, it was just like, just kind of sort of happened from, from there. So I went to my boss who had resigned from four years ago and he, um, yeah, like he signed off on my BAS agent because I, I, I wasn't a BAS agent. I'd only ever been an employee or contracted through him. So yeah, he signed off on my BAS skills and just kind of went for it. So So if it wasn't for zero, we wouldn't have any of this. That's right. Exactly. Um, Like when zero first came out, we're like, what is that? Um, But, but I was really wanting to move with the technology, which you'll hear in the previous episode. That's the reason why I left because my boss wasn't down with the technology and I was, you know, I was, um, you know, really wanting to do. Yeah. I was really wanting to do the cloud thing. And he, he was like a, I don't know, he's still a pen and paper kind of person. Like, yeah, it was really, it was really challenging. And so, um, and it was a shame because he was a very supportive boss. You know, I don't, um, I think he was a great person in many ways to work for. So, um, yeah, and unfortunately he actually passed away last year as well, which was very sad, but um, we always had a very good relationship you know we did have that falling out at the end but we still reconnected after the four years and and that kind of thing so it, you know That's I got a, I feel like the experience I got in the accounting firm was invaluable but we reached a point where it was like I knew I couldn't grow um, with the clients the way I wanted to so um, with the move from employee to business owner as well like I guess again I'm going to try and read between the lines because I guess there's people who are in the position where they're employed wanting to start um, a business and like trying to figure out like how do I make that transition Mm, trying to fit in all the time and everything yeah that's right like it's a tricky one because you've got that kind of dilemma of like should I tell my boss you know is it better to be open about it or is it better to just get prepared to make the leap or and it really depends like that's my favorite answer to everything it depends (laughs) like on your situation so I would weigh up like What's your relationship with your boss like? Like, how long have you been there for? Um, You know, are they going to see it as you competing against them? Like, is it going to cause like a threat? You know, I would look at all of those factors because for some people it's going to be better that you just kind of get things ready and then resign closer to the time. And for others, you might have a boss who's kind of supportive. So it's just really, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one. Like, um, but at the same time, like, I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm really big on people like bookkeepers working as employees for a season. I think it's like invaluable. And 
Um, Because I think some people go from having no bookkeeping experience, like, oh, I want to start a bookkeeping business thinking that it's quite easy. But I think being under that mentorship is really a good foundation for the career. So I'm liking this question because I think there'll be a lot of you who are potentially still partially employed. Um, I mean, some of the yeah, bookkeepers in our community are still partially employed and partially contracting and, and that kind of thing. So I think it's just really like assess your situation, be wise in like, cause you don't want to like mention it and then get fired. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like you don't want to be out on your, you know, backside, like having to suddenly, you know. And that can happen. That can happen. It can That's happen. Right. Even if you think you get along really well with your boss, that can happen. Exactly. Exactly. So you just, yeah, I would just weigh that up. And also there is a chance that you might say something and you'll compl- you'll get a different reaction to what you expected. Like that can just, that can happen. So just be prepared. I think like, you know, um, and then if you can keep that open dialogue, um, you know, if it is an open dialogue situation, keep that open. Um, you know, it could be a case of reassuring your boss, like, you know, that you won't be working in competition with them and that you're still committed to doing a, a good job until the point that you leave and all that sort of stuff. So I think, I think that helps. Yeah, definitely. All right. So the next question is from Christy Fairburn, who we've had on here before from Oasis Bookkeeping. Yes. Um, I know Christy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and the listeners will know Christy as well because uh, she did mm. an episode. She did. And um, she did one with ago. me ages ago as well. Yeah, that's right. Last yep. year. Um, yep. Okay, so yeah, Christy's been on the podcast heaps of times. So yep. Christy says, how did you take the final step out of your bookkeeping business and have your Australian-based team member manage it for you? Mm. yeah so I love this question because it's one of those funny things like this was what I set out to do when I very first started the business I wanted a profitable online business that ran without me mm-hmm. and so for about oh like let's say for five years I was like this is a pipe dream it's never gonna happen because I thought it would happen really quickly and it, it took a long time And so I think the final step, like, look, I've, I've tried to hire different bookkeepers before over in the past and haven't always had the best experience. And so I, it was, I think the, the, the step before the final step was realizing that the issues that I was having with my bookkeepers who I was hiring was actually not their fault at all. It was actually, it was when I realized I was the problem. It was, you know, I, and I'll I'll tell you how I realized that actually, it wasn't a thought that just popped into my head. I read this funny book called, um, oh, what is it called? Um, It's by Keith Cunningham. He's like some, I don't know, Texan business coach who I'd never heard of. And the, um, the book is called The Road Less Stupid. <laughs> so I saw the book title because it reminded me of another book title, which is The Road Less Travelled, I think. Yeah. It's like a really popular book that I've yeah. never read. And um, so I saw it. I was like, oh, The Road Less Travelled. Yeah, I've 
heard of that before and I was like oh it's the road less stupid okay that sounds good <laughs> sounds like something I need so I started to read it no I bought the audiobook actually but I ended up buying the Kindle as well because I sometimes like to refer back anyway he's this he's actually this like he's quite a funny guy like he's very kind of Texan and he's got a like quite a funny um, quirky sense of humor but he really tells it like it is and he goes through and he talks about all these different things that go on in a business and when I was listening to him I realized like I was giving permission for some of the stuff that was happening with the staff and it was happening either in the hiring process so because I didn't have a hiring process in place Um, I was, it was like back in the day when I'd just take on any client, it's like, you know, I'd post in a Facebook group or something and I'd get, you know, I'd hire someone from like maybe 10 candidates or something like that. And and then, you know, when, when the team members came on board, you know, because the thing that frustrated me so much is that I feel like they weren't meeting my standards. And I think when it comes to bookkeeping and customer service, I have very high standards of what I like to see the team doing. The problem was there was a gap between the information I had in my head about what I expected and what they knew that I expected. Like it was, it was like all of us, we have our business plans in our head. We Mm -hmm. have our standards in our head. And unless it's verbally communicated, um, especially when you're working with a remote team, you know, other people don't necessarily get that, you know, every so often, you know, you get an amazing employee like Maya, who's just like, you know, super productive, like internally motivated, you know, Maya loves to do a good job because she because loves I like to do to a good job. Do a good job. Yeah. So I don't have to like make, I don't have to, you know, teach Maya how to um, you know, give good customer service or create a good result because she's she's driven by that. And so, but, and that's but, also... But I was a lucky find. You were, yeah, you because were... Because you had not haystack. perfected the process at that You were point. pre-perfecting the process. That's right. You got to see a few, um, yeah, interesting experiences. So, um, <laughs> yeah, with the I've team... Seen my- my yeah. share of interesting experiences. Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, so it was also in that book. So Keith Cunningham actually says, he talks about hiring A players. And I was like, well, I know what an A player looks like. It's Maya. Like I had the, I had a prototype, which was really good for the first time. Whereas before I didn't even realize that there were kind of like different types of employees so he said like he basically said like if you want a high performing professional business you need to hire a players and I was like oh my gosh I have not been doing that like you know and I found especially because you know I tried to build my business on contractors and the problem with contractors is um that they uh they are committed to multiple different businesses they're not ultimately committed to your business and so I started to realize that I needed to have an employee I needed someone who was committed to um, you know our business and our brand I you know I I wanted to be able to have somebody um, you know who yeah I guess was um, yeah like different to somebody who's just going to come along and do a little job because the other thing with contractors is that especially, you know, like they're not going to do everything kind of holistically, like because they've, they're juggling lots of clients. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think cl- contractors are fantastic when they come in and they assist you with a project, but for longer term stuff, um, you, you really need 
an employee. So you can, contractors are great in a bookkeeping business. Like if you've got a reliable contractor that you've known that you trust can be fantastic for like overflow work and things like that. But your core team needs to be employees and contractors are kind of, you know, the outer part of that. And so when I, when I started thinking along those lines, cause it's scary. So hiring an employee is a scary thought because you've got to give them work even when there's not work there. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of the, the foundation for that. So I was like, okay, I need, you know, if I want to step out from the business, I'm never going to do it. If I, a don't have a players on the team. Um, secondly, if I don't have, um, what, how do I explain it? If I don't have, um, if I'm not very clear on my standards and what I expect, like that has to be out of my head and I need to even actually create some of this myself. I can't just expect a brand new person to come into the business and for me to go, okay, can you like set the standard in my business? Like, no, like for me, it's like take responsibility. That's my responsibility as the director of the company to set the direction for the company. And so I'm not saying, and this will kind of, yeah, I think someone else asked a question about this, which we'll talk about in a minute but we talked a little bit about, um, um, yeah, like around processes and things like that. So you've got to have, you don't have to have all your processes mapped out, but you've got to have a high level idea of what outcomes you're wanting. And it's you that has to be clear on that before you can expect anyone else to do it. Um, so they were kind of the three, the three main things plus a hiring process. So it was like, I guess it was a combination of reading that book plus the pain of realising how much money and time was wasted by employees who weren't a good fit. Um, they weren't, or they weren't up to the task like they were, you know, B employees or maybe C, you know, or who knows. So, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So I guess that's the final step before the final step. It was, you know, to, to hire somebody according to the new standards and it was really cool because like the first time I ever ran that hiring process I actually like nailed it the first time but then you know I've tested it a few times since on my business and now we've been using that process with savvy clients as well to help them recruit their staff as well because the result was really good and it was yeah it was a surprise you know you've got uh, we had like we usually get about 300 candidates per ad so that's the difference you know I was taking my employees from this very small selection of people and opening up to be able to you know to a wider selection of people you know allowed me to find that one person mm -hmm. like it is lit literally a needle in a haystack so didn't you say out of 300 applicants you only interviewed three people three only three yeah so and I mean some of the savvy um, bookkeepers that we've worked with on that process it's it, like it can be a little bit confronting when you go through like oh I've paid this money for an ad and all these candidates coming in are you telling me I'm going to be rejecting like nearly all of these and it's like yes you must and so that's how high the standards are now here for hiring it's that literally only three people get to be interviewed and so we've got, you know, there's a whole process around that. So that's the backstory. Mm -hmm. um, so this step um, out, it's really funny, but you know, like you can work your butt off for a, a long time feeling like nothing is happening. And then it seems like all of a sudden it just happens. 
Now, the reality is it doesn't just happen, but it's almost like, you know, I think if you're in that, like, yeah, if you're in that mind frame of like, oh, like I'm working really hard and I'm trying to step out of the business, but I just feel so far away from that. It's like, if you want that goal, it's actually totally possible. It's actually, it's not only, yeah, like it is, it's not like a pipe dream. I thought, oh, is this just like one of those like imaginary kind of ideas that, you know, business coaches promote on social media or something like that. I was like, is this a real thing? Can it actually happen? Um, So I'd say like, keep persevering, but get feedback. You know, you need other people to be able to kind of see where you're at and where the gaps are. And once you identify where those gaps are, like what, what is actually missing in the situation that's stopping me from doing this, you can kind of figure it out. So some practical things that you can do if you want to step out, like it was during COVID, that's when I realized the business can run without me. Like I was, you know, I was sitting in the lounge room with the kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it was involuntary. (laughs) I was sort of thrown in the deep end, but at the same time I was like, cool. Like, yeah. So, you know, I knew like I was hundred percent confident um, that our senior bookkeeper was, you know, across everything. And um, yeah, so that, that was a really good feeling. So I was like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. So yeah. Um, so I'm just thinking, yeah, a couple of practical things that you can do to take that final step out is like, yeah, you need to identify what the gap is. Like what's the, the bit that's holding you back. So a couple of the things could be, like I mentioned before, your hiring process, um, you know, um, your standards being really clear about that. It could be if you've got, you know, do you have your processes ready enough for somebody? Have you identified who you need to hire? Sometimes, you know, sometimes the wrong hire comes down to, you know, simply hiring, you might hire a junior when you need a senior person, for example, you know, sometimes we try and save money by hiring juniors, but we actually need, if you want to be able to step out of your business, you need someone who's as good, if not better than you. And that's very confronting for some of us because, you know, as bookkeepers, I think like, you know, like we like to be the best bookkeeper in our business or the best bookkeeper in the world, you know. Especially when you have your own business and it's your bookkeeping business. The idea of hiring someone who's better at bookkeeping than you are. Yes. But I mean, and those people are out there, obviously. We hired one. They are out there. Because they don't necessarily want the drama and the logistics of running their own business they just want to do a good job with their own with their work exactly yeah and I thought about this a lot as I've been writing the curriculum for um the hiring bookkeeper hiring bookkeeping staff um e-course is yeah like that's the thing that's you know I've been thinking about a lot you know just um yeah like being able to take that um yeah take that step back assess the situation, um, you know, follow, put that process together and kind of, yeah, just make sure that you're kind of, yeah, doing the right steps and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, yeah. So there was another question. Yeah. So the next question sort of is related. similar. Yeah. Related. So from Katya from Sudoku mm-hmm. Bookkeeping, um, when you were talking about employing Sharon, who is, yep, our bookkeeper. My, 
(laughs) You mentioned it took around 15 minutes to hand over clients. Is this Mm. with additional extra support as you went along? Did you have Mm. client manuals or processes or how do you manage to get that down to just 15 minutes? Yeah, so... um... So yeah, well, you hire caveat. the right person. <laughs> yeah, yes. Thank, thanks for putting your question in. Good to good to yeah. uh, see you. And um, yeah, so um, so with Sharon, yeah, L- like I was saying in Christy's answer, Sharon is a better bookkeeper than me. She is amazing. Like she is really good. Yeah, she's very good. Like so, f- from a technical perspective. She's, she's better than me. Like for me, I don't like to store technical information in my head. I like to just know where to get it if I need it in case I don't ever need it. So save that brain power. But Sharon, she's very knowledgeable, you know, especially in the construction industry, which is really vital for, for us in our business to be able to do a really good job for construction because there's, you know, there's complexities in the payroll and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, so that's one thing. So she's, um, you know, she, technically she's very good, but she's also like, she's very organized and she's like, she's very good at her like routines. So, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, as you've probably heard me share before, I'm not really a routine person. I'm a project person. I'm not really wired for that kind of daily day in, day out kind of doing the same thing. So she's really good with her routines. Like whenever, uh, look, to be honest, when I hired Sharon, I was looking for a senior bookkeeper who was um I, I I wasn't specifically thinking oh I need to find a bookkeeper who's better than me like that hadn't occurred to me I just thought if I can get someone who can take 80% of the work off of me that was my goal then then that would be great and I can just kind of um, check the bass and you know all that kind of stuff now when Sharon started after a week she's one of those people right so I went through the whole hiring process and I narrowed it down to her and I got on the phone call to her and halfway through the phone call, I was like, I want to hire you. I knew she was the right person. And it was validated like a week later when, you know, she was already just handling everything. And within about a fortnight, I was complete, like, I'm talking like 99% freed up. And I was like, oh, yes. Okay. And it was really funny because I'd had this idea in the back of my head, like hire someone who's better than you. And I've even said it in a blog post or maybe a podcast before, but I didn't think that was what I needed at the time. I thought, oh, I need someone sort of just a bit, someone senior, but not as senior as me. So anyway, when she came along, she's a very fast learner, but obviously each, like what Caddy is asking about, um, every client has their similarities. Like there's sort of like the bookkeeping, the foundation of bookkeeping, there's some core things that are always the same across every client. And then there's certain things that, um, don't apply or do apply depending on what industry they are. And then there'll be certain unique things to their specific business about that, like which are their actual processes. Um, So when Sharon started, like we did a 15 minute handover. And so what that handover looked like was just me. um, So keep in mind, so at this point, Sharon's already been onboarded by Maya, right? So like, do you want to just, I know you're interviewing me, but do you want to just quickly explain like, how you onboard Sharon, like what kind of things you show her? So the main thing that I would show her, that I did show her um, is our project management software, basically. So where all the different client 
projects are, where their information is saved and like sort of the, the checklists that we use for the, the bookkeeping processes to make sure you remember to do all the things on the right times and just, yeah, basically a, a task management, project management. So I showed her how to use all of that. So she already knew where all the yep. client information was and, and what needed to be done on a basic level. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, exactly. So by the time Sharon had finished the onboarding with Maya, she, she knows what all the apps are. Obviously it takes a bit of time to, to learn them and get your mm -hmm. head around them, but she knows what they all are. So I'm not having to kind of do software training along the way. And then also because I, I'm confident that she, her skill level is high enough. So because she's got that high enough skill level, I know, okay, you know, with a senior bookkeeper, the, the type of handover that you're going to do is just like, what are the client specifics and intricacies? What are some of the things to look out for and that kind of thing? So I handed that to her, but then behind all of that is a framework. So we have a very comprehensive um, bookkeeping um, checklist. So what this is, is it covers um, everything that's included in the onboarding process. Then we've got everything that's included in a rescue job or a catch-up job. We've got everything that's included in um, um, a, like a zero or a software setup. And then under there, we've got a list of everything that they could possibly have for their weekly monthly, quarterly and annual processes. So what we do is we bring that checklist in for every new client. They all get exactly the same checklist. And then the bookkeeper just goes through and deletes all of the parts of the checklist that are not relevant. Yeah. So and that's so basically what I showed Sharon. Yeah. She already showed. knew how to use that before. Mm. My handover with Sharon was probably took a lot longer than yours because I had to show her how to use all the different apps and all the different that's softwares right. and where to find things so by the exactly. time I'd finished with her you yeah. would you just had the really basic stuff yeah the client specific stuff so mm. um yeah so what I'm thinking like I'm thinking like a probably a good takeaway from that is because what might happen is let's say now because um, I mean someone might be thinking oh yeah but I don't have a Maya to onboard my new <laughs> staff but it doesn't really matter because it could have been me doing the thing that Maya did and then do the thing that I did, right? And so what it would look like if you're solo, if it's just you doing it on your own, I think the key point here is to do the training on the apps and the kind of high level overview of how the process works first before trying to show them a client, right? So let's say they came, let's say if Sharon came in and Maya hadn't, hadn't done all of that, I would have said, okay, here are your first, let's say five clients. So I'd give her those clients and then I'd sit down with her and I'd say, okay, we do this, this and this. And then all these questions would come up in her mind and we could spend hours talking about that one client because through that she's having to figure out all of the specific softwares. So mm -hmm. I would suggest if you're on your own that you do that separately. So you come in, you show, okay, firstly, these are all the apps that we use and this is where they live. Um, and then within this app, these are the checklists that we use and that's how, this is how we use them. And then she, then she comes to me and I give her, you know, her clients. So what I did was I, when I hand over the clients, I also, we worked at a timetable. So I sat down with Sharon 
and you know we started she was starting on 16 hours a week so we had to kind of budget for her time and the client requirements so what we did was we went and mapped out in her schedule where all the different clients would be um, I think it's really important that you figure this out beforehand and it can just be a case of quickly going through you can look at your timesheets or your own regular calendar to figure out um, how much time do I spend on each client on what frequency and then what we did was we moved all of that stuff from my calendar into hers um, and then what would happen is on the day where it ticks over for her to start on that client we do it during that time space so like I'm really massive on having like proper time allocations for every single client like this is their time slot this is when we work on that client so each time that time slot would arrive she'd say okay I'm ready for this client and then we'd spend the first 15 minutes of her doing that and then from there you know once I've done that kind of quick handover obviously she can ask questions that you know there's always going to be a client that's got a few like weird tricky things that she might need to come back to but I'd say majority of the clients she didn't um you know with bigger clients like we've got a couple of like much larger clients um you know you we would have spent maybe 30 minutes um on those bigger ones so um aside from that the only time like to be honest the, when I meet with Sharon like probably once a fortnight but it's really just to work on the financials for, for my business so in our meeting she's my bookkeeper doing the books for my business and with clients like um, you know, I think she's got, um, she's got her, um, you know, she, she, she does her kind of thing. And I think like, I mean, when it comes to bass time, I'll say, oh, like, how are you doing for, you know, at bass time or whatever. And she'd be like, oh, I'm already done. <laughs> so, um, because we do have that kind of routine process and, you know, she kind of sticks to that. She makes, and because we've got those allocated time slots for the client every week or every fortnight or every month, whichever their frequency is, they're completely brought up to date by that point. So if it, you know, that means that they're completely brought up to date bar, you know, whatever overflowing questions they are. And then, you know, obviously making sure that you follow up on those questions for their next time slot, making sure that the clients answered those, it, you know, when you're sitting in those time slots, you really like, you're kind of always up to date, which means bass time is not very crazy here at all. Mm. Um, yeah. Sharon said she actually doesn't find it stressful at all. Doesn't find it stressful at all. No. No, she'll just, just another like, day for her yeah she'll just like take the afternoon off go ride a horse or something like that yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah I think what you said earlier uh is really important for this as well yeah. is if you have certain tasks that you want to hand over to your new bookkeeper you need to hire a bookkeeper that knows how to do those tasks that's right yes yeah exactly and, you know, this ties into back to Christy's question a little bit about mm -hmm. taking the step out. If you, you know, everybody thinks, and I made this mistake myself. I was like, when I first started, I was like, oh, I'll just hire, <laughs> I'll just hire a student to help me. Someone studying accounting. That is the worst idea. Okay. <laughs> then my next idea was like, oh, that didn't work. So like, I'll get kind of like a junior person or, you know, and then I tried like a mid, mid-level person and like, I tried all these different combinations and that kind of thing. And then I finally realized like, for people who are in small businesses who are, because as bookkeepers, right, we're not like going out there and financing our business. Our business growth is finance, 
from, from our income. So we don't have a lot of capital available usually. We don't kind of have a buffer where we can go, all right, I'll just hire a team. But, you know, obviously in, in some of my teachings, um, I go on about doing business in the right order. Well, the right order um, for hiring, it's, it's going to depend on you and your capacity. Like if you're, if you're going to be the senior bookkeeper, which is fine. So there's kind of two different business models, right? So you've got one where you're running a business and one where you're running a practice. Okay, so the difference between the two is in the business, it, you're, you're not going to be the senior bookkeeper. You're the owner, the manager, the director of the business, and then the senior bookkeepers, you know, underneath, and then they have their team. Whereas in a practice, you are that senior bookkeeper and the business is always going to rely on you. You're not going to step out of it. You're the expert in the business. And that's also fine. They're both valid. Um, so regard like the one, the one where you're going to be the senior bookkeeper, if that's fine with you, then that's you in that position. Um, and what you would need to do is you need to free up a bit of your time and capacity because if you're hiring someone who's less than senior, there is going to be more training involved. And if you're hiring a junior, there's a lot of training. And mm. so that's why I don't recommend that anyone start with a junior, that you need to have someone who's able, someone who can free up a lot of your time. A junior will increase your workload, not reduce it. Yep. Yeah. Because so if you're trying to train someone and get all the work done, it increases that's your workload. Right. That's why that's right. hiring someone who already knows how to do the things that you want them to do. Of yep. course, with Sharon, there was a little bit of training. I had to show her how we send the panda docs and that kind of thing. But yes, that's right. That's not, I didn't have to teach her any bookkeeping skills. Yeah, that's right. So I would say that's that's the biggest shortcut. If, if your goal is to step out of the business and have it run without you, your first hire I mean, if you've already got staff, that's fine because the, the senior person can come in and manage those staff, depending if they've got management skills. But again, looking at this big picture, that's how you're going to figure out who you actually need. So if you need, um, yeah, if, if you need a senior person, if you want to be able to step out quickly, you need someone who's as good or better than you. And in order to do that, you need to know how to advertise, like how to screen those people. Like you, you really need to know how to find that person. And so, whereas if you have more capacity, um, you know, some people really have a desire. So I'll use Katia as an example, like um, Katia, you're, um, you're, you're in the training space. Like, so for those of you who don't know Katia, she's a TAFE uh, trainer she'll she'll teach like a cert four so um you know if training something that you're passionate about then you may love to have someone come in and train but for me what it what it is is like i mean maybe one day i would love to train a, a you know a more junior bookkeeper but i don't want to be doing it while i'm doing bookkeeping while i'm checking basses and managing and all that kind of stuff you know i'd love to you know just more come in and do kind of like high level training on like this is how we do things here and this is how you know these are some problem solving tools that you can use in the future so you know if 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 your goal is to be that senior bookkeeper then you know i would start with a mid mid-level person you can have that that mid-level person who can come in and they can do the bulk of the work but you still need to check the bass whereas if you get someone um, more junior that won't happen um, if you've already got that team in place, by all means, junior um, people can come in, they can, you know, process 
um, the receipt bank and all that kind of thing. But you've got to keep in mind, like it's still not, you still got to have some level of expertise. So there'll be still some level of training involved in that. So you just got to assess your capacity and what the business actually needs uh, and where you kind of sit in the business as well. Cool. So that's it. Yeah. Right, so um, the... Oh, actually, I just want to check this as well. So is this with additional? Oh, yeah, okay. And so you did ask Kat here if we have client manuals and processes. So our process is that checklist. We don't have client manuals as such. What we do is we only create manuals for very specific client-specific unique things. Um, so, you know, you can have an overall manual that's kind of got the day-to-day -day stuff, but if you've got a competent team, you know, a lot of them should kind of know that. Whereas if you've got something very specific, like for example, um, you know, I'm thinking of a client who has like this very unusual financing model, like through a financing company where it's, it's quite, it's a very strange account to reconcile. It's like, how do we do this? And the company that does the financing, they have no idea. So we actually created a process around that because it's very specific. Or another example could be like, if you have a co um, company that has a lot of mo motor vehicles, something like that, we'll, we'll take a template that we have and we'll, we'll create a vehicle register because there's so many cars to manage for for that client so um, whereas when it comes to the like you know the routine stuff that's kind of standard within any business we literally just have the checklist by week month quarter and and yeah and assume that the, the bookkeeper knows the steps the sub steps of of those items so um, the reason we don't have full detailed manuals um yeah. So for me, the analogy that I use is, so the way I like to teach bookkeepers is like, you can have a moral code about something or you can have an ethics, right? So the way that I teach is more like ethics driven than code driven. And what that actually means is, so if I say to you, so I would say like the code is like very prescriptive. So when bookkeepers come and work with me, I will never prescribe to them like, oh, you have to do this process and you have to follow it to the T and, you know, it kind of all has to be done a very prescriptive way. What I prefer to do is teach the foundational, like the, the, the fundamentals of like how you can make the decisions yourself on what's best for your business and build a system that works for you. So, you know, obviously, you know, like through Savvy, I share a lot of the specific templates that I make, but by all means, like they can be customized, they can be tailored, but also from there, like you would decide, you know, on your own business, like is having a manual, um, yeah, like is having a client manual um, or a staff manual going to be, you know, valuable? Is it going to be a waste of time? You know, what I would hate to see you guys do is write this whole like prescriptive manual and then end up hiring a senior bookkeeper and you don't actually need it. Like the more senior the person is, the less you need this prescriptive stuff. So it just really depends on your goal. So I like to kind of teach that, you know, flexibility. There's no one size fits all. And if you kind of know like the I guess the foundations behind like how I think about this stuff, you know, hopefully that can, you know, show you how to, um, yeah, you know, figure it, figure it out, but use some of our tools to help you speed that up. So cool. Okay. Yep. All right. So last question. Um, last question is from Melissa Clarence from M books. Uh, and her question is when you come to Sydney next, can we have lunch? 
Absolutely. Yes. Now, when am I going to Sydney next? I don't know. I would love to go to Sydney, but um, yeah. When are you coming to Melbourne? Yeah. yeah. Victoria's yeah. opened up now. Come on. I know. I know. We're all open. We're allowed to leave. I don't know. What if, if I came to Sydney, let's say like, I don't know, if Victoria went into a lockdown or the border got shut again, I guess it would depend on like whether I can stay at your place or not. <laughs> well, so. lunch, stay over. That's uh. <laughs> increasing the yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Now we should be fine. I think we're hopefully we're going to stay open for a little bit longer. But yes, yeah. I would love to come to Sydney and have lunch with you. All right. Well, that was great. Finally getting to you know answer some of the, the listeners' questions. Um, yeah, that was fun. I yeah. can't believe it does take a while to answer like what seems like a straightforward question. There's so yeah, much it's a content. Really long episode in those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll just wrap it up there. Um, yeah. And for anyone who wants to learn more about Amy and offer for bookkeeping, um, go to thesavvybookkeeper.com.au and check out our uh, the previous podcasts from the last last week and the week before yeah um which 95 and 96 (laughs) yeah there you go 95 and 96 episode numbers yeah um so you can check that out there and uh we're also going to link our social media channels for off the hook on the in the podcast notes as well so you can check that out if you want um do you have any last comments that's a risky question. <laughs> okay, no, she doesn't have any last comments. <laughs> Just trying to gauge how long it. it will take if you say them. <laughs> yeah, nah, all good, all good. I think I'm all talked out. I'm ready to yeah. go have lunch. Yeah, all right. So thanks again for, for joining me today. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm good. sorry that you didn't get to do it with Angie like you'd planned. Hope I was no, a good substitute. Good. Well, I did too with Angie, so it's been fun uh, getting interviewed by you. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. All right. So, as always. Yes. Do you want to? Oh, no, I don't. I I forgot because you haven't been here. I'm like, I don't even remember what it is anymore. Stay safe, stay sane, and stay savvy. That's right. All right. Got it. See you. See you guys. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bookkeeper's Voice. We'll be back next week, so subscribe to future episode notifications. Do you want to be more efficient? Get instant access to our free template of the month. Visit thesavvybookkeeper.com.au/freebie. Would you love to connect with other savvy bookkeepers to get support and ideas? Join the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook group. Do you need help with pricing, marketing, web design or business planning? Visit thesavvybookkeeper.com.au to see our services. Until next time, stay savvy.